It ain't that simple, mate. Hello and welcome to uh, It Ain't That Simple, mate, the brand new Bright Hope World podcast. We will be uh, focusing on poverty and missions and what it means to serve the global poor. It's pretty exciting. I am Fraser Scott. I'm here with Kevin Honoré. How are you doing, Kevin? Yep, doing well, Fraser. Thanks. We are very excited by this. This is something yeah. we've been talking about for cool. a, a while. We're finally getting behind the microphone and recording the thoughts. Are we capable of doing this, Kevin? Uh, um, we'll find out. We, we, we will find <laughs> out indeed. So look, on this first episode, we are going to talk a little bit about who we are, who Bright Hope World is, uh, our vision and our values and, and kind of what we bring to the table, as well as teasing some of the exciting topics that we are going to be talking about uh, on this podcast. But I think it would be worthwhile us um, just pausing and maybe introducing ourselves so that as people come to uh, get to know us and uh, enjoy our deep, booming voices, they know who the people are behind the mic. So let's start with you, Kevin. Who are you? Uh, what do you do? And why do you do it? The why question. Yeah. Well, I'm Kevin. I'm married to Helen for 47 years. Where did that go? <laughs> We have two adult kids and some grandkids, and uh, in our background, we've we've been dairy farmers, uh, horticulturalists, uh, small business owners, and for a number of years, we're missionaries in Africa, in, in Zambia. And while there, we came face to face with poverty like we'd never seen it before, and that was a you know a real f- aha moment for us as we uh, were confronted with things that that you know we just don't see in the West. So. So that's kind of our background, and and then for the last few years we've been involved with Bright Hope and doing a lot of travelling to some of the the poverty hotspots, I guess you could say, and and helping local people kind of develop strategies and and implement their strategies for helping their communities. So so that's kind of what what we're what we're into, and and I and if you come to the why question, it's it's really. And from my point of view, I'm really passionate about about following Jesus, and and I guess I, and I heard a statement a few months ago, and it went like this: If you're serious about the good news, you'll find yourself amongst the poor. Yeah, and that's kind of the reality for us. That's the way it's worked out. Um, and Jesus kind of said that, didn't he? You know, like you'll always have the poor around, and. And that very first sermon he preached, you know, he came for the oppressed and the blind and the disenfranchised and the poor. So, so for me, it's a it's a kind of a gospel poverty reality, I guess. That's, yeah, I like that. That's it. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Fraz? What? Why are you doing this? And wow. well, well, yeah. you have to answer the why question as well as the what question. Well, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm uh, the executive director. of Bright Hope World and have been doing this for, oh, I think around about 10 years, 10, 11 years. Um, the, yeah, uh, coming to Bright Hope World is really sort of a part of a bigger journey. Um, my wife and I, Debbie and I, have been married for 23 years now. Uh, three boys, uh, good boys, following the Lord. Uh, and I became a Christian at university through um, Campus Crusade for Christ, Student Life. Shout out to Student Life, great ministry. And so I was always interested in and um, motivated by the need to share the gospel. That was really important. But we um, we did 
actually Deb and I met on a short-term mission trip in Thailand and were very involved in sharing the gospel there, but saw all this need, all this need in communities that we weren't really involved in meeting. And I think that probably planted a seed that the uh, gospel is uh, unable really to be separated from the physical needs uh, of, of the poor. And so after a process of many years of, of being involved in a number of different ministries, uh, came across Bright Hope World in 2004 uh, with that holistic mission sense of, of taking the gospel to people as well as meeting their needs. And we were really just caught by it, intrigued by it, and over a process of a, a few years got involved and really found a, a ministry that just made sense. And, and it still does all these years later. Um, it's its vision and its mission still motivate us. Still, you know, really mean something. So we're 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 privileged to be involved. I, yeah, I think all of yeah. our team would say that, wouldn't they? Oh, very much so. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, you know when you when you meet the poor and and you 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 know get in, into their shoes, I guess, and you walk the journey with them. Uh, there's there's so much to learn, and and uh, yeah, it's it's. It's really motivating, you know, even for us back here as we live in the West and and transition in and out of those poverty places. Um, yeah, it's uh, very motivating. But, you know, that's that's kind of us. Yeah, so our, our vision as an organization is probably worth touching on this, you know, kind of what Bright Hope World is uh, and, and what we do. We were founded about well, nearly 30 years ago, um, based in Christchurch, New Zealand still, and our vision, which really hasn't changed in the entirety of that time, is to see the poorest of the poor become spiritually and physically self-sustaining. And that's sort of reflecting that holistic gospel uh, idea. But it really it pulls out that issue of the poorest of the poor. Who, who are the poorest of the poor? Uh, you know, Kim, what, what does that phrase mean to you? Yeah, well, I mean, primarily it is an economic term, isn't it? And it's how... The word poverty and, and poor and they're all in that that economic framework, um, and we'll tease that a little bit later. That that we think it actually means a little bit more than just economics, but at the end of the day, you know, a, a lot of what's happening in the whole NGO sector and the development sector and a lot of the the mission areas, um, there's kind of like almost a division between the the good news bit and the Mm. The helping the poor, but you've got that kind of social versus gospel um, uh, tension, and and I guess you know that that's always there. Um, but for us, it's about it's about finding the the people that understand. We we, we use the term somehow they get it, they get that connection. Our, our our partners they get this connection between the gospel and and uh, and poverty. Uh, and 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 are able to live there and and deal with both at the same time and and both of these two kind of leverage off each other. I guess that's that's how we we observe it. It's like him being two two sides of the different sides of the same coin. You know, they're, they're um, uh, yeah, very real realities for a lot, for a lot of the people we work with. Though those two components of of life um, and ministry, yeah. And so our role in that is, you know, as a missions agency, for want of a better term, is is to develop and resource partnerships. This is our, I'm reading from yeah. our mission here, our, to develop and resource partnerships 
with indigenous people who have a vision to transform their community. So our role in that, to come alongside extraordinary, exceptional people, we say, find the best of the best working among the poorest of the poor and uh, develop and resource partnerships. What, What does that look like? What does developing and resourcing partnerships look like? Yeah, well, it's a very complex thing. It's no, it's, there's no cookie-cutter model for this. Um, and, and I will just step back just a little bit because I didn't fully answer your question about, you know, these who are the poorest of the poor. Right. There, there's, you know, probably about a billion of those people in the world right now um, who live way below the poverty line. Um, in some of the most difficult parts of the world to get to, and and seriously, you know, they they struggle to live from one day to the next, um, and are at the mercy of of you know everything that's going on around them. Uh, and and we'll, we'll unpack that a little more later on. But but in the middle of those those dark places, those places where there's very little hope, um, where there's very little resource you find you know somebody who just gets it they they they're they're doing something different they're thinking differently for the from the rest of the community and they're doing something about it and and that's the kind of person that we're looking for that's that 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 person who who has a vision to transform their community and um and it's remarkable when you find somebody like that It's, it's just like whoa they get it. There's something there. God's done something in their minds and their hearts, and uh, and uh, the pennies dropped for them, and and they're getting on with with changing their community, transforming it. You know, life after life, family after family, and and it spreads. Um, uh, and I, I we just got some stuff, you know, reports today from guys in in, in Zimbabwe, and and we'll probably refer to them quite often. Uh, as amazing we partners, amazing partners. But you know, they're going to the most arid parts of Zimbabwe, and their dream is to turn arid places green, and that's that's more than just planting crops and and that kind of stuff. It's about just changing a mindset and. I don't know how that we, you know, I don't even know the full background of these guys. But we went there, we found these people, and it's like, yeah, yeah, we have to do something with these guys and come alongside their vision to, to, to transform their community. And yeah, so that's it's kind of what we do to find those people. So to bring it all together, I mean, what really makes Bright Hope World? Uh, distinct, and we'll unpack this a little bit more. But we we we're pretty good at finding these amazing people whose um, God has got their hand on them. They're doing amazing things in their community. These are these are self-starters. They're entrepreneurs. They're yep. people that are um, gifted and focused and committed. And uh, our role is to build relationship with them mm. over time, yep. to help fund what they do. And we've, we've got a lot of generous uh, and kind donors that, that really believe in that work. And then kind of to let them get on with it. Uh, yeah, know, very much so. Part of it. Oh, yeah, that's that's ninety percent of it, frankly. I mean, we're we're in the back room. We we we're our role is to is to you know help them fulfil their vision. It's not to tell them what their vision needs to be, or even to tell them what strategies to use. That's that's that's. See, we, we we're not looking for good ideas. Um, we're not looking for people with a dream. We're looking for people who have a vision, but have then taken it a step further. They've started doing something, you know. 
they've got their own skin in the game. And, and this works best in a small community at a grassroots level where where these people are working with their family, their people, they know their people, they know all the issues. Um, yeah, and we just come along and, and partner with them. And and we don't, we don't want to have, you know, Bright Hope World flags up everywhere and yeah. uh, this money was uh, donated from such and such a place. That's we're we're the silent bit. partner. Silent, very. Yeah. And, and you know, in some cases, in quite a few cases, we never actually meet the beneficiaries of of what our partners are doing. Um, it's not our role. Our role is to, yeah, just be there alongside them. So you often get asked, you know, are you guys like um, a World Vision or Tear Fund? And these are organisations that we have a lot of love for and, and respect, but we're a little different. Uh, I think that would be fair to say, Kevin. And, and we have. Um, five sort of core values that define us, that say something about who we are. Uh, the first of these, obviously, we focus on the poorest of the poor. That yeah. you know, we're, we're pretty resolute in who we focus our attention on. What, what does it mean in practice? If you include something, if you say we focus on this, it means that there is something that we don't focus on. Yeah, what, absolutely. What does that look like? Well, it's certainly not a it's not a commentary on what other people are doing or, or a criticism of, of of them. I mean, the wealthy need to hear about Jesus and and have, you know, their uh, spiritual and physical needs met. I mean, well, you know, so this it's no criticism of of anyone else. Um, but we have this focus, and we are pretty committed to staying focused on that. And 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 later on, even maybe in this session, we'll get to you know what is poverty, and and there's you know there, there are a whole a whole lot of different types of poverty and levels of poverty. But you know the poorest of the poor are about one billion people right now in in the world who live on less than let's say. Just over a dollar US a day. It's not much. No, not much. Um, and so it is, you know, when you say poorest of the poor, that is an economic uh, definition. And and that's okay because a large part of poverty is about economics. Uh, it's not only about economics, but that's a big component of it. Yeah. And as part of that as well, we, you know, we tend to go where others don't. The the places that are really popular with missions agencies, I guess that that's, we, we tend to avoid those. Uh, places a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and, we tend and go to go to the difficult places. Yeah, we tend to. Um, it's, it's quite interesting. I was I was in uh, in one African country not that long ago, and and um, you know the the people that we were dealing with saying, well, you know, most of the uh, most of the NGOs are working within like seventy five or a hundred kilometers of the capital cities because that's where they can get their donors to in their four wheel drive air conditioned vehicles most easily. You know. Um, but you know, you go 500 k's from the capital city, or a thousand k's from the capital city, and it's going to take you three or four days driving to get there. It, the number of of agencies in those places is like zero. There's <laughs> a good reason. I've done some of those drives here. There's a very good reason not to want to do it. Ah, it's, it's, yeah. it's not that fun. Yeah, totally. And and you know, don't get me wrong. We're not the only ones out there. But 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 the the single difference is that this is a guy in his own community. It's not an agency that's come in from outside, and so, and so finding these people isn't always that easy. Um, you've got to do a lot of, you know, hard roads and 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 difficult journeys. But, but it's amazing how 
how the network kind of grows as, as you get involved and, and you find yourself in the extremes. And, and, of course, that's one of the real definitions of poverty. You know, the people live on the margins of, of society. And, and, and so we, we oh, I'll put it this way, we think we do our best work, you know, at the grassroots level a, a long way from where most people are, are operating or, or involved. Yeah. So our first sort of defining value, we focus on the poorest of the poor. The second, we invest in strategic partnerships. Now, that says something about the the time frames, isn't it? We're, we always say we're, we're very slow to get engaged with yeah. the people that we get to know. We, we don't commit quickly. But when we do, we see this as a long-term, a long-term strategic commitment. engagement. Yeah. It's, it's not limited yeah. in time. Well, who's the oldest partner that we have? Who who are we still partnering with that, that goes well back? What are we? Oh, over twenty years. Over twenty years. Over twenty years. Um, yeah, and it's uh, yeah, and we've we have very few you know short term engagements as well. I mean, we 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 have a. It, it's important to to understand two different words the way we use them. There's there's the term partnership, and then there's the word project. Uh, and a lot of a lot of um, uh, agencies are project orientated, so they go and they do they define what the project is, they do it, and then and then they move on. Now we say we don't have any projects. Bright Hope doesn't have any projects, um, but we have partners, and our partners will have projects, and so we will have a number of of partners that we've been involved with for many years. And, and right now we may not actually be doing anything with them. We've done things with them in the past. They've done projects. Uh, and then maybe in the future they'll come back to us and we'll do something else with them. But that partnership, that 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 um, close relationship, and and then on the basis of that, you know, the, the, the ongoing things we do together. Um, um, yeah. And so we've got these partnerships all around the world. Um, I, I I did check 215 partnerships that are currently active in yeah. 32 countries. That's, that's quite a wide range. Yeah, it is, and it's it's a quite a large footprint for for quite a small organisation. You know, it's uh, and and that's not because we're great. It's because we don't get involved in in, in the you know the the micromanagement or the detail of what's happening on the field. Our job is to is to find these people develop relationship with them, move into partnership with them, and just keep that partnership alive and going. And uh, that, that you know, just requires regular communication and visits and uh, encouraging. And, uh, yeah, so... And, and part of that whole thing, too, is, you know, you're looking for, you used the word before, extraordinary people, people who who really get it and who are committed. So so they're in it for the long haul as well. As, as I said before, they're embedded in the community. This is their people. These are their their relatives that they're working with. So, so yeah, they're there for the long haul. And so we will be as well, you know. All right. So that's the first two of the values. We focus on the poorest of the poor. We invest in strategic partnerships. Uh, let's take a little break and we'll come back and, and then uh, we'll talk about the other three Bright World values. Back in a moment. 
It Ain't That Simple, Mate, is brought to you by Lamai Coffee. Lamai Coffee is the finest quality organic Arabica coffee from the northern hills of Thailand. We at Bright Hope World import the green beans into New Zealand and we roast them to perfection, then sell them to discerning coffee drinkers. We're all volunteers on the team, so all the profits go back into great community projects in Thailand. And that is why we call it the world's best tasting act of kindness. You can order Lamai coffee or find out more at lamai.co.nz. It ain't that simple, mate. Okay, we're back on It Ain't That Simple, mate. And uh, before we took a little break there, we had talked about the first of the Bright World Values or Distinctives, just to give uh, you a sense of who we are and how we operate. The third of these, give us an interesting one, and, and it's where the rubber hits the road a little bit. We say we are field-driven. What, what is a field, and what does it mean to be driven by the field? Yeah, wow. It's probably the single biggest defining uh you know thing on in, in terms of of how we operate uh, it, it means that first of all the initiative comes from the field end so the vision the strategies uh, are developed in that local environment and so you know we don't have a, a way to do bright hope world there's no kind of you know shelf up there and if somebody says how do you do Bright Hope World? Well, go and have a look over there. No, that's not how it works. For us, every one of these uh, things we do, every one of these partnerships is unique uh, because each one comes to us from an individual in their personal world with their circumstances and, and with their own vision and, and strategies. So, so, you know, all of the initiative comes from the field end. Uh, we often say, you know, the initiative comes from there and it has to stay there and with that in mind we will be you know uh, in a sense of protecting uh, our partners I mean it's not like they need to be protected but but there's a lot of pressure from donors on on partners um, and and the normal way of operating in this whole I guess NGO development sector is that somebody comes along from outside with a plan or a strategy or a, a way to do things, and they say, "Hey guys, join up here and and do it our way." Um, and, and that's the norm. That's that's the way it is. Um, yeah, I see this lot. I mean, you know, a key part of my role is uh, you know working with some of our strategic donors, and these are wonderful people. But certainly along the way, I meet with a lot of people that want to go a lot, want to visit the partners, yeah. you know, want to do a lot of things that really uh, would be quite disruptive to the partnership. That would uh, cause issues for them in their local communities as as a bunch of, you know, if you'll forgive me, white folks t- turn up, that that causes some uh, power dynamic issues in local communities. Uh, you know, when we go and do a bunch of stuff in a place, it can put local people out of work. You know, people often want to send a whole bunch of stuff that can cause problems with, you know, local businesses and, and, and local markets. And and so would it be fair to say that, you know, being field-driven means, you know, we have to put everything through the lens of what will this mean at that end? Oh, totally, yeah. And, and if it's not a positive impact, uh, then it, it doesn't go ahead. We don't do it. Um, but of course, that that you know can 
that, that costs a little bit. You know, we, there, we certainly know of, of folks that we've dealt with that will not proceed, will not get engaged with Bright Hope yeah. World because we don't want to do what they want to do. Um, so it, 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 it's tough sometimes, yeah? Yeah, yeah. We've had a number of, of cases where we've said no to donors because, you know, they want to do this or that in that partnership. And, you know, the, the whole issue of, of people going to see, it's, it's quite difficult for a donor to go and, and, and visit a place and and get the real story. And, and so it's, it's a real, you know, I guess a safety thing for us not to be going as the donors. When a donor goes, the basis of their relationship there is financial. It's a transactional thing. And, and for us, it's not. First of all, it is a relational thing. We know these people. We love these people. We've hung out with these people over a number of years. And so the, the whole, um, you know, the, the, the type of questions we ask will be very different than if it was just a donor turning up and, and they wanted to know, you know, where, where every dollar went or where every cent went in some cases. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, really important to, uh, to protect the field from those, those influences that, that will, um, you know, perhaps even destroy a partnership or, or, or a project because of the interference of the donor or the demands of a donor. Uh, we get into a bit of pressure, uh, trouble sometimes from donors because we we can't always, um, in a sense, deliver what they want to get get out of a partnership. And and this is particularly an issue for for local churches yeah. who are donors, um, where they have a lot of expectation from a lot of people, you know, sitting in their pews as to you know what's going on there. We haven't heard, uh, but when if you put you know, you know the the. Some of the demands that some make on on their on their um, on their partners are just uh, you know off off the scale. They, they sometimes would spend half their lives just writing a report. For well, a, isn't that the reality? You know, some the of the reality. partners that we have 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 other donors, and they do. I mean, they're virtually yeah. employing people full time to write reports, take photos, do videos, yep, yep. chime in. You know, to services on a Sunday morning, maybe host visitors and for all of that load in order to keep us happy uh it's it's distracting from their work oh totally yeah and and you know these people are slaving it out and uh and every time we ask them for another report you know and it could be in the they're having to make that report in their third or fourth language um it's not that easy and it takes a lot of time and 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 so yeah we, we we just uh just keep saying well if if we ask them to do that what will the impact of that be? And if it takes away from what they, you know, their core, their core business are there in their community, then then we, we, we'll say no. We'll, we'll protect them from from too much external kind of influence in, in that kind of way. Um, just let them loose. I mean, it's about empowering people and yeah. letting them go. You know, and 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 doing what God's called them to go do. Not not write reports for. No, and, and, and I guess as well that you know that, that second value of we invest in strategic partnerships in order to be able to release and trust people. That's where you've got to invest in strategic partnerships. You can't be breathing down their neck every. You can't minutes. be breathing down their neck. I mean, that, that, you have to trust them. If if there's one iota, you know, one little bit of of distrust in there, then 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 these other things don't work. You know, because you then have to be there looking over their shoulder, and and so the whole thing. Rises and falls on the on the basis of the quality of the relationship you have with them and the trust that's embedded in in that relationship. Yeah, 
Okay, so we focus on the poorest of the poor. We invest in strategic partnerships. We are field-driven. Then the fourth one, and this is all pretty closely connected, we emphasize sustainability. Now, Kev, that word means uh, different things to different people. Yeah. For us, we're, we're talking about the ability for the, the, the local people on the ground to provide for themselves, to to be able to keep going in the future. There's lots of facets for yeah, this, isn't yeah. there? There's both you know, the economic sustainability. We, we do a lot in income generation and microloans uh, and agriculture. But you know, even issues like succession planning for our partners is, is enabling the missions to keep going uh, in the future. But w- why do you think sustainability is so critically important in the areas that we're working in? Well, I mean, that's a... Uh, probably a, a complex question you asked me, Fraser. Maybe but, we should dedicate a whole podcast to that one. <laughs> well, possibly. Yeah. But just, just brief, let me give you an example. You know, if, if, if you go to Africa, wherever you go through Africa, you find hundreds of kids that aren't going to school. And in some countries, they'll have, you know, universal free education, but it ain't free, mate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it still costs a lot. And so, you know, there's, there's thousands of kids on the streets of of, of, and, uh, of the villages and towns of Africa that aren't going to school. And, and rightly so, you know, a lot of um, gospel people, pastors or... Or, or Christian people are, are concerned about that and, and they want to do something about it. Now, the easy thing to do would be to say, okay, let's start a, um, a program, a, a sponsorship program, and get some people to support these kids and sponsor them and, and send them to school. Right, it's, pr- it's a pretty common approach. Very common approach. Uh, our question is, h- how sustainable is that? Um, you know, we're looking for somebody who's thinking about it slightly differently. We're looking for the person who says, look, there's all these kids here. Um, why don't we empower the families or equip these families to be economically self-sustaining so they can send their own kids to school? Yeah. Now, now that's a very different person we're looking for, and it's a very different solution to the same problem. But that's that's the difference between sustainable and unsustainable. We would say, you know, uh, largely just sending kids to school is not a sustainable option because, you know. How far do you go? How far do you go? You're going to hang in there for 20 years. Uh, You're still going to need, you know, every year you're going to need more as they get older and older and uh, the cost per year goes up. And inevitably, the number of kids will go up as well. Like like feeding programs, feeding programs, and yeah. and, and after school programs, tutoring programs, and oh, it just goes. And then they get to the end of the education system. Uh, you know, they've been at school for ten or fifteen or whatever years, and there's no jobs for them anyway. Um, and and so. It's a very complex, and and hence the title to to what we're talking about. That ain't that simple, mate. That ain't that simple, mate. It, you know, those simple solutions are often uh, not sustainable, and, and so and so we're trying to say to people, look, think about what, how do, how does how can this become locally sustainable? What what can you do in your community that will will help people to to do this thing for as long as as it takes? The other side of that is that you know. In a place like Africa, there may be 10 kids in that family or eight or seven kids in that family that aren't going to school. But, you know, you pick one. 
Well, well, that's not really fair, is it, either? Yeah, who wants to make that decision? <laughs> who wants to make that decision? And, and so, you know, but if you can empower the families, then all those kids get to go to school. All those kids get... Now, the other thing that happens is, and this is what we've noticed, is that when you set up a sustainable program like that and mum and dad are doing something, they've got their little business, and then they're sending their kids to school, um, they get involved in the school. They start putting pressure on the school to start getting decent teachers. Which, the, which they can do, right, because they then they're not a recipient. They are a fee-paying fee parent yeah. with, with some clout. Yeah, whereas if some white guy from you know the back of beyond sends, sends some money, the kid's going to go to school each day. Dad doesn't have to be bothered to get involved on the PTA. Mum's not going to go and make the lunch or whatever, whatever. Uh, and I can tell you time and time again that, that when mums and dads get involved and one of the teachers starts playing up and interfering with some of the kids, they're down there with a baseball bat to, bat to make sure there's some change going on. Uh, they t- start taking some pride in that school. They start in- investing in their kids. They... Uh, and so, and so the whole mindset changes, and that's that's the kind of stuff we're talking about—the difference between that aid mentality and and that sustainable thing that that will just keep going on and on and on, whether in a sense we are involved or not. Um, yeah, and th- th- this is one of the, I suppose, the, the other sides to this is our, our constant battle in the space that we work is to avoid dependency, to avoid the situation in which we are creating and I know it's a lot of term, but beneficiaries that have a handout mentality because you've got to keep feeding that into the point where the money dries up and then you pull out and then you've made the situation far worse. So we are trying to avoid dependency. We're we're, we're trying to help people stand on their own two feet. I can't tell you how many places I've been, uh, and one of them just jumps into my mind right now. Last year we were in the Congo. We, We went to a church and there were like probably 150 women there and all these kids, you know, more than 150, all there. And and so they started to tell their story. And and a donor had come into that place and for two years had sent their kids all to school and he'd run out of money and walked away. And now all these families... It's the end of it. It's It's all stopped. The kids are all now playing on the streets and getting into trouble. And and even what they learned in those two years, they've forgotten. If they were to go back to school tomorrow, they'd, they'd have to start back where they were two years ago because... What if that guy had just gone in there and worked hard with, you know, 10 families, you know? <laughs> well, and, and you combine that with then being donor-driven where, you know, we've certainly been in this situation in, in Kenya, I can think of, where the the donor is, is suggesting all of these new programs be added and so they're, you know, people are employed and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and then the donor pulls out and you have this whole infrastructure that then what, what do you do? How do you, how do you pay these people? How do yeah, you fund yeah. the work? How do you keep it going? It's it's very difficult. Yeah, I mean, the, the you know, the classic case, the one you're talking about, there, even with this, you know, this COVID-19 uh, virus that's been going around, there's a school with 1,600 kids, or I think it's 1,200 now that's dropped down. They've still got to pay, you know, five. What is it? Thirteen thousand US dollars a month just to keep the teachers employed. Yeah. Um, it's like, yo, not sustainable. Well, obviously not. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> has reached the end of its sustainability. Yeah, so so there's got to be another model, another way of doing that. And uh, uh, 
Yeah, it's, it's a tricky one because, you know, a lot of people have, have got really good hearts. They're really highly motivated, good motivations to, to make a difference. But if you're going to start something that's not sustainable, a lot of people will be disappointed in the long run. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and again, you know, we're wanting to, to see these things through and, and you know, about uh, I think it's about 25% of the partnerships that we're still connected with are now self-sustaining. We, we, we have sort of graduated them out of the, the, the partnership, if you like, where we're still connected with them. They're still our friends. We love them. We care about them. But we are no longer having to finance what they're doing because they've, they've built the base. They've built the infrastructure, and they can just carry on doing it, which is pretty exciting, is it not? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Right, so – Last four, one. Four values. We focus on the poorest of the poor. We invest in strategic partnerships. We are field-driven. We emphasize sustainability. The last one, and this is this is kind of personal to us, we are committed to a low overhead structure, which is almost a euphemism. What it means, Kev, is we don't get paid, which is mm. which is it's a little tough. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. No. <laughs> maybe we will survive off the royalties from this podcast. Oh, yes, I'm sure we will. That'd be nice. So, I mean, th- this is... You know, one of these days we'll get uh, our, our founder, Rob Perdue, on here and we'll, we'll get yeah, him to talk yeah. about how Bright Hope World started. But this is a big deal uh, for for him that um, ministries that use up a whole chunk of their funding to fund nice offices and good marketing campaigns and, and pay staff, that's a problem. It's it's tough to see 40, 50, 60% of funds be used up. Um, one of Bright Hope World's founding values is we just don't do that. We're, we're a bunch of volunteers most of us are involved in businesses, have jobs. We've got what have we got? Accountants. We've got policemen, lawyers, policemen, uh, farmer. Yep. We've got quite a range of of people. Um, I know for me, and and I've you know, talked to some of our other team about this. When you go, uh, I look, I, and and again, this is no criticism to to any other model, but for me personally, when I go and I meet some of the people that were connected with partners who have given up careers who have have made huge sacrifices to to sit and talk with them eye to eye and be thinking to myself hey I'm getting a six-figure salary off money that was given for, for you and, and your family and your community I man I couldn't do that for, for me it's it is a personal ethic that whatever money is donated to to help these people I want it to be in their hands yeah yeah and and that's yeah like you say you, you don't want to be critical uh, but the reality is, and, and you know, if you go back and talk to Rob, one of the reasons that Bright Hope World was founded, and this became one of the primary values, uh, is because he observed so much waste in the in this sector of of of, um, of the economy. You know that that missions development kind of sector. So so he you know Bright Hope was formed in a, in a, as a bit of a reaction to that to some degree, and he's often said, you know, every dollar we use, they lose. Um, and so, and that is the reality. Um, and it's yeah, I, I, you know, I don't know how how um, controversial you want to be in this podcast. Oh, I want to be very controversial. You want to be very controversial. Yeah, okay, no, but you know, shame on on the, on a large part of the of the development sector for the amount of money that gets taken out on the way through. Yeah. Um, and I could tell you many stories about that, and I won't do that, but. We're not yeah, quite at the name names no. part, part of the, uh, the no, podcast. No. We'll, we'll say that for a future one. Just like a, a roll of <laughs> the dishonor. last one we do. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Before we quietly disappear. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but but 
yeah, we're somewhat cynical of, of some of the stuff that goes on in this whole NGO sector. And um, yeah, frankly, you know, the poor don't deserve that. And, and one of the things that really annoys us is when there's a, you know, um, a tragedy somewhere, or, you know, a major issue, and then out come all the all the all the yeah, rubbing their hands, rubbing the, uh, their hands. Oh, here's <laughs> another here's another opportunity for us to fund ourselves for another year. Um, it's like, come on, guys. Which does sound like a cynical comment, except that we know some of these folks, and it, it's it's no, no, not. Yeah, it happens, folks. Hey, uh, we we are, are sort of approaching the uh, end of our time. We don't want to. Uh, carry on for too long and, and unless you get bored but um, Kevin just a couple of closing comments why do another podcast what, what, what's the thinking here there, there are a few of these out there you listen to some I listen to some what, what, what's what's the value in us recording some of this stuff well I think you know I mean if, if any organizations any organization has any uh, kind of I guess identity then it it needs to place itself out there um we, we have some distinctives that we think are worthwhile we we as you said before we 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 live for this you know um we think we have got some stuff to say to speak into this space um and and you know we've we've trolled around and done a little bit of looking at, at what else is out there and and we think there's there's something we can we can contribute there um even if it's just to wind a few people up and yeah, get some reaction. Yeah, we're good at that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've got to crash on without another room, so... Um. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll stay. We shouldn't have said our names, Kevin. That was the first mistake. Uh, we should have stayed anonymous. Maybe we should put their address up as well. <laughs> exactly. So um, if you do have comments, um, we'd love to get them at podcast at brighthopeworld.com. Uh, if, if anyone does listen to this, and we certainly hope that you do, we'd love to hear your thoughts and suggestions uh, for future episodes. But I do want to just talk about some of the things that we're going to be doing. We're going to plan to release uh, episodes probably uh, about every fortnight. Uh, next time, we are going to be looking at what is poverty. Boy, that's a big subject. Uh, we're going to be uh, also in, in uh, future episodes looking at who the poor are, what's, what it's like to be poor, how to partner with the poor. Uh, one I'm looking forward to, and it's you know chance for us to grumble a little bit, the five worst ways to address poverty, but lest we be uh, accused of being negative, we're going to follow that up with the five best ways to address poverty. That's about, I'll come in on that one, all right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the role of the church in poverty, what the gospel has to say to poverty, uh, and also how your theology affects how you relate to the poor. These, these are some of the things that we want to uh, address, but we will be starting in episode two. Enough of this introduction, enough talking about us. We don't, we don't want to talk about us. We, we want to talk about uh, the people that were connected with out there. So we're going to focus next time on the question, what is poverty, which will be an interesting discussion. Yeah. No what, doubt. So, so what, what's this with the, um, it ain't that simple, mate. Yeah. It ain't that simple, mate. We did think, what should we call this podcast? And uh, we really do find when we talk about poverty, uh, we talk about our approach, we talk about how to be effective in development, a lot of it comes down to that great Kiwi saying, oh, it ain't that simple, mate. So that, that says something about who we are as, as New Zealanders. We are unashamedly uh, Kiwi in, in our approach. Uh, but it's also recognising the fact that nothing in this space is as simple as, as people are often inclined to think it is. Yeah, and, and you run into that, don't you, with people with, with great ideas and, 
and it's such a complex intertwined kind of number of components to the whole problem yeah. therefore you know no simple magic bullet solution is is going to um, deal with all those complexities so so we have to you know tease this out and think about it from from lots of different angles that's that's really i guess what we're talking about and we have a if you want to go to our website brighthopeworld.com we have a video there in a media section it's all about fishing and uh, really does address this question of of is poverty as as simple as as some people think takes on the the good old saying if you teach a man to fish says yeah maybe not maybe it's not that simple mate so uh look let's leave there uh kevin thank you so much for uh joining us hope you've enjoyed listening to us prattle on we will be back in our next episode talking about what is poverty kevin any final comments no, I think I'm just going to get my fishing rod and go off for a fish now. Oh, um, yeah, that's, that sounds nice. Yeah. Dip, yep. dip the feet in the ice-cold Christchurch water. <laughs> All right, thanks, everyone. We will be back again next time. Uh, this has been It Ain't That Simple, mate. The Bright Hope World Podcast. Yeah.